This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Yeah, Java, I was in there looking at those two boxes of donuts. Almost, I had to run in here, put my headphones on. There's two boxes of donuts in there. I'm thinking one donut has the calories of two beers. <laughs> you know, whatever floats your boat. Maybe I could have half a donut. So you have to just take your pick. Which one? Which one you want to do? The donut now? The beer later? Well, you know, I, I walk in, you know, in, in this uh, four miles round trip, and that's 400 calories. So in theory, I could have a donut and a beer. You worked it. You earned it, as they <laughs> well, say. You, know. you earned it. <laughs> hey, folks, we're going to be talking about gardening today. How about you? You want to join us? It's real, real easy. It's toll free. And we're just going to be talking about gardening. I'm not going to try to sell you anything or talk anything. Uh, I have in my own garden, I have personal agendas of things that I want to do and I want to try and experiment and statements and all like that. But it doesn't matter to me or anybody else what you do in your garden. You know, it is, uh, you know, it is your own row to hoe. So whatever it is you want to do, whatever, whatever hoes your row, we're going to be talking about that. And if you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. And uh, like I say, we're just going to be talking about gardening, lawns, vegetables, herbs, trees, shrubs, diseases, bugs, spiders, um, what else, weeds, you know, anything, you know, tree pruning, uh, fertile, whatever, whatever. Now, I do sort of draw a line with some things. There's some things that I... In my experience, and I've got over 40 years experience here doing this sort of stuff on top of degrees from the university and being raised by gardeners and working at garden centers and all like that. But also as my personal experience and my observation, there's a lot of stuff people tell you you need to do that you really don't need to do. You don't need to do some of that stuff. It's not that big a deal. And uh, sometimes the cures are worse than the problem. So uh, I would use a little judgment. And if I think that there's some things, for example, if I think you need to, to kill something, you know, let's find the, 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 I hate to say the best way, the most, hmm, there's no way to put it. I'll be as gentle as I can. How about that? You know, we want to get the job done without doing a lot of, of other damage, you know. So uh, a lot of times I'll recommend mild stuff or uh, natural stuff, even though some natural stuff is more poison than some of the chemicals. We will choose what I think is a good middle road towards doing what you need to do. And if we need to step it up, we can sure do that. But uh, my first approach is take your glasses off and a lot of those problems disappear. That's just the way I look at it because that's, that it works. And uh, if I look at my garden too much, who we? I've got everything you've got. I've got twice because I've got a complicated, full, overflowing little cottage garden with all sorts of stuff that naturally can have all sorts of problems and stuff. So anyway, we're going to be philosophical, but we're going to get it done. So give us a call toll free one eight seven seven. MPB ring. Uh, next week, by the way, we're going to be broadcasting from a special place over in Meridian. Going to be broadcasting live from the Max. Uh, some wonderful uh, uh, cultural art uh, exhibit in uh, downtown, right by the, the railway station, the main street going to downtown Maria. It's a fantastic uh, venue. They've got it's just an unbelievable feather in Mississippi's cap, and it's got all Mississippi stuff in it. It's going to be broadcasting, and they said that they will actually let a couple of handful of people who want to come in and sit in the studio when we broadcast this. And if you're interested in that, they, because of, of a social distancing, they can't allow a lot of people in there. Um, 
So uh, they say, you know, it's the first come, first service. You want to give them a call, the max. I'll give the number out in just a few minutes. But uh, the first, I think, 10 or 15 people who call, uh, uh, you can come in and watch while I be a fool on the air. How about that? Anyway, I think they're, they're charging like $5 or something like that. But anyway, I'll give those details in a little while. But first of all, let's get back to what we're supposed to be doing here today. Let's talk about gardening, and we're going to start out in Lower Alabama. Hey, Melanie, thank you for calling. Oh, good morning. Howdy, what's up? Well, <clears throat> I'm trying to separate my tete-a-tete mm-hmm. uh, daffodils. Yep. And uh, there's also some... Of those uh, red spider lilies, yep. bulbs in there. Is there any way to tell the difference? Now yeah. I've noticed when I dig them up, some of them have a lot of root growth already, and some of them showing none. The ones with the root growth already are probably going to be the red spider lilies because they're starting to grow already. Okay. Um, they look a lot alike, but the tetetets, uh, the daffodils, are, are are smoother, cleaner, more pointy looking thing. You know, then they'll, you know, and they'll, they'll be in a, a tighter cluster. Um, you know, it's a, it's a really good question, Melanie, because I've grown both of them and they look a lot alike. But I would say the, the tete-a-tete is going to be in a tighter cluster. They're probably going to be a little bit shallower. Uh, they're not as like to be covered with a rough brown type of, of covering, uh, but they'll be just cleaner and smoother. I have noticed that some of them are a lot rougher, as you say, and they look. They look like almost like an onion that hasn't had the a- absolute outside shell removed. Yeah, well, and, and again, the tete they're small bulbs also. The red right. spider lilies can be, you know, pretty good size, you know, big as an egg. The tete is a, a miniature daffodil. They're real small and be a tighter right. little cluster. Right. Okay. Now, when I get them. Oh, Basically, I'm just—they haven't been blooming as well because they've been in such tight, you know, uh, they've right. grown so much. So, is, do I go ahead and give them some um, hot and seed meal now so they can grow their roots over the winter, or do well, I? Yeah, just... they, you know, they, all these bulbs—they grow their roots starting in the in the fall. The uh, the, the spider lilies are already start to grow their their you know they get a head start. Um, but uh, rather than just cotton seed meal. An all a fertilizer's got a little everything. Cottonseed meal is my favorite natural source of nitrogen because it feeds the worms too. It's a good, good thing for several reasons, but right. it doesn't have as much phosphorus and potash in it. The second, third number that that bulbs need. So you know, if you've got any kind of all-purpose fertilizer, you know, I'm talking about just not even a just a a, a dusting, you know, less than a teaspoon per per bulb. Work that into the dirt. Okay. Now one other question. I have a big flower bed, mixed perennials and some, you know, I had some annuals in the spring. Uh-huh. And there's an oak tree. I'm not, I'm sorry, not an oak tree, a magnolia tree. Ooh. About 20 feet away, I guess. Yep. Um, do you think it would do any good if I just took the shovel and tried to just cut those magnolia? I, I can tell they're, inv- I mean, I almost hate to in- fertilize that bed because I feel like, it just encourages the magnolia to invade more. Yeah. Well, in magnolia, know you know, need. yeah, ma- magnolia wants to grow too. Yeah, I know, I know. But, uh, but anyway, it has, it, it has, believe me. <laughs> it, it, doesn't, it doesn't hurt to answer because it doesn't hurt to cut a few roots here and there. It does not. You know, big roots up close to the trunk is like cutting an arm off at the elbow and all the fingers are gone. So, but if you're going to chop a few fingers here and there. <laughs> it's not. It's no, no. It doesn't hurt to 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 dig here and there to 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 do stuff. But uh, by this time next year, those holes can be full of more magnolia roots because they grow quick. Yeah, I so. was just thinking maybe in the spring I would cut them and give the stuff a chance to 
you know, bounce up before the magnolia started sucking everything dry again? Well, the magnolia, you know, tree roots grow pretty much all the time uh, on the Gulf Coast. As long as it, the soil is warm and moist, you know, roots continue to grow and absorb stuff, even if the trees are dormant. So uh, uh, anyway, if you want to cut, you know, on the magnolia side of, of, of your flower bed every couple of three or four years, the magnolia is going to survive. I'm not worried about it surviving. Trust me. <laughs> well, I am. Somebody's flower bed surviving. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you might be. It's, t- it's time to think about you know uh, doing a raised bed and growing some. You know, in other words, uh, uh, find ways to accommodate both of them. You know, if you could dig down a little bit and raise it up a little bit, maybe put some containers out there, because uh, you know you're trying to. to you got a whale in a bathtub out there. We got to end yeah. up and the uh, the shower curtain is bulging. So <laughs> anyway. Me, I know that. Yeah. All right. It's a it's a constant uh, balance trying yes. to you know keep both of them happy. But, yes, it but. is. All right. Well, thank you so much. You have a great day. Thanks, Melanie. Appreciate your call. All right. Bye bye. All righty, folks. One eight seven seven MPB ring. Let's go to Ridgeland, Mississippi. Hey, Ardell. Good morning. Good morning, Felder. How are you? I'm good. Um. So I have a question. Um. I found a woman in Georgia that would sell me 10 jujube seeds. Yeah. So I planted them and rooted them, and I have one that's about two feet tall. And I had to confirm, and I did. I Googled the image of a leaf. I have a jujube. Mm-hmm. But um, the image doesn't show thorns. And my question is, do I have yep. a jujube. jujube tree that has gone rogue? Nope. Jujube's got thorns. Well, I didn't see it on the image, so well, that's good. <laughs> well, you know, they're not bad thorns, you know, but they'll, you know, if you got a branch, when it gets big enough for a branch to hang down where it's going to grab you when you go by with the mower, it'll grab you. But just cut that, just cut that bit off. But no, jujube's got a, and, and a lot of people don't even know what a jujube is. I was raised with one. And by the way, I love the Latin name, Zizis. I can't even say it, Zizifus jujube. It's got two Z's and two J's. Try that in Scrabble. I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, it's a, it's it's a great uh, uh, Asian plant. Uh, fruits up in the in the summertime. They got a pit in them, you know. They and you yep. uh, and I don't know if you've eaten one, but you, when the fruit starts to get a little wrinkled, is when it gets mature. Is when it's time to eat it. Yeah, I love them. I love them. Actually, they're so spongy and crunchy. Yep. All right. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate it. That was a weird question. Did jujubes have thorns? Boom! Nailed that one. <laughs> now we got a lady calling from on the road. Betsy, where are you? Are you got your hands on the wheel? Or are you pulled off or what? No, I've got my hands on the wheel. I'm talking Good. through the speakerphone. Good. Well, what's up? Well, I have uh, tried to get a lettuce bed up twice this year, and it keeps dying. Mm. I use soaker hose and. I have got sphagnum peat moss in the bed, and it's sandy loam full, and I'm just, like, perplexed. What is making this not come up and stand? I'll get a stand, but immediately it seems like a week later it's dead. Um, you know, and, and that's that's really pretty unusual because, they, you know, lettuce from seed to harvest is only like three weeks, three or four weeks at the most, you know, something like that. So um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. If you're keeping it real wet, you know, that could be a problem. The seeds need moisture to sprout, but then they need to be allowed to dry. This little plants need to, to dry out between watering so that the roots can grow down. If you keep it wet, they'll rot. 
Um, also, it could be you're sowing the seeds real thick, you know, real small seeds like that. You need to sow them ever so thinly because if they're crowded, they get diseases and they don't produce. And by the way, one of the easy ways to do that is mix the seeds with a little sand or something like because it's easier to spread a bigger volume. So mix a few seeds with something that you can, you know, grits or sand or something like that. But uh, try not to sow them too thick. Wet them down till they sprout and then wait a day or two between soakings. And uh, and see if that doesn't help. But other than that, I have no idea. Well, I thank you for your input. I thought about just taking my glasses off and see what happens. <laughs> and by the way, you know, lettuce is, uh, and this is the time of year to grow lettuce, is a beautiful plant. Uh, and what I do is I mix two or three different kinds together, you know, a little green one, a, a reddish one, you know, flat leaf, a curly leaf. And uh, and what I do is I put just a little pinch of each of the seeds in little small pots. You know, you can do it in styrofoam egg cartons. And when they sprout, just transplant, you got a whole little uh, a sal- mixed salad growing there. And you can grow them really well in containers where you can, uh, you know, little low containers or small containers where you can watch your watering a little bit easier. Okay. Thank you very much. Good, I appreciate your input. Good luck on it. Okay, thank you, sir. Goodbye. You bet. I uh, went out the other day. I had to thin out. I planted carrots and beets. I don't eat that many beets, and I, don't, and I can buy enough carrots. I can buy more carrots that I eat in a year for what the package of seed costs. But they all came up. It took a while, took a while. But when they came up, they were real thick. So I went out, got down, and I actually carefully pulled all but, you know, I left them an uh, inch or so apart. So that uh, each one will have its own elbow room and make they won't make turnips or beets or carrots or they 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 just won't do it they're crowded and so I thin mine out pretty good. Uh, let's go to uh, Poplarville talk with Beckett. Good morning. Good morning. How y'all doing? So far so good. Appreciate it. What's up? All right. Um, I kind of do a little side work as a handyman out yard out in the yard helping out folks and I got a lady who. Uh, She's got some roots up under the crawl space of her house, and she said her son told her that he thinks it's from a tree they had near the house and it cut down a couple of years prior. She's not sure what kind it was. Uh, there's an existing tree about 10, 15 feet out from the house, and I wanted to see if there was a way I could make sure that before I cut those roots out, if they were from the live tree or from the old cut-down tree. That's a good question um, because it takes a, a, a year or sometimes more for a, a root that's been cut off the tree. It's made out of wood. It's going to take a uh, – and fresh wood is going to take a year or two to start to decay. So, right. you know, right at first you might not be able to, to, to tell as well. Um, I will tell you this. Mo- most likely the roots could be real shallow, and whether it's from a live tree or the dead tree, uh, probably need to go ahead and get them out. A tree can, you know, if you were to, to draw a circle, big circle with a, with a dot in the middle, the tree being the dot and the circle being the outer spread of the branches, if you don't cut off more than about a fourth of that area, it's not going to affect the tree that much. See, so okay. it, it doesn't hurt to go outside her foundation and cut a little trench straight down. And anything right. that's under there, whether it's, uh, you know, the, 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 the dead root, they're all going to decay. It's going to take a little while. It's going to, the dirt's going to cave in a little bit, but probably going to fill back in with dirt. It, 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 um, that replace. So anyway, I would just go ahead on the outside and just, just cut down. That'll, it won't hurt the trees and it'll make her feel a whole lot better. And it's a lot easier for you. Right. She was, uh, 
she was worried about it rotting under there and termites having an entry point. So, and, and, it's, it, and that is a that's that's a really good point. It's a real good concern, but there's not much you can do about that because there's no way to get all those roots out. They're they're going to be right. solid. You know how how they are up under magnolia tree. That's the way they all are, except you know further out. So, um, she might want to uh, to check with the termite company to have them put down uh, some of those little the things they put on the outside to attract the termites and, and just keep a check on it. Yes, sir. All right. Well, thank you so much. It's a good question. Good question, man. Good luck on it. Thank you. Take care. All righty. Um, we're going to take a little short break. We've got a caller on the line. I'm horticulturist Fell Rushing and me and Java. We've got some cheesy music coming up in a little while. And I have an array here. I'm real, I'm real proud of this. I have an array of vegetables and herbs and things from my garden, and it's taken up about a foot and a half, two feet foot area that's in every color of the rainbow. And it started with a tomato that I picked. I've been watching this tomato all week, waiting for it to ripen. It wouldn't ripen, it wouldn't ripen, it wouldn't ripen. And I realized, idiot, you planted a yellow-fruited variety to begin with. It ain't going to turn. Anyway, I almost let it get too far, but I've got a, a golden yellow tomato called Lemon Boy, sweet as it can be, and I said, let me do a rainbow. Anyway, while we're talking about gardening, I'm having fun being playing like I'm in kindergarten. Horticulture's fell to rushing. Me and Java Chapman and other folks at MPB, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back after this. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Each week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. All righty, folks, welcome back. Hey, give us a call. It's toll-free. We can talk about gardening. Ain't going to bite. Ain't going to holler at you. I think bad stuff about some of you because you do stuff that I think is stupid. But I've done it myself, and I survived, and so we'll survive too. So anyway, give us a call and let's talk about gardening. Toll-free, one eight seven seven mpb ring We're going to go back down to Mobile, Alabama, talk with John. Good morning, sir. Morning, Felder. How are you? A question about uh, bananas, or what I thought until last year were plantains. Mm-hmm. But uh, I had asked. Uh, there's a couple of old little uh, little donut shop up the road from me, and I asked them if they wanted some plantains, and they said sure. I cut some down, took them to them, and they advised me that they were Thai bananas. Huh. And uh, they further said, you cut them too soon. And I'm going, okay, how do you know when to cut them? Because <laughs> they don't ripen on the tree, as I recall. Well, and, and most, you know, I, I, was, I, I eat bananas all the time. And I've had plantains. They're like tough, fibrous bananas. Um, and there's so many different kinds of bananas. There's a, there's a place in, over in Louisiana uh, that specializes in, in uh, uh, colder, hardy fruit. They have, probably have uh, nine or ten different kinds of bananas that are hardy on the coast. See, so, and I can't tell them apart without you know, really looking it up. But uh, most of the time they're picked green, and then they ripen. Right. Matter of fact, a ripe banana is, is really decay. 
You know, they once you once you pick these off the plant, whether it's banana or tomato, once you pull it off the plant, it does not continue to ripen. It may soften up and may color up a little bit, but it doesn't get any sweeter or more flavorful. So, uh, you, you, with in the case of banana type fruit, you really need to leave them on there until they're almost too far gone to eat. Or else you pick them a little bit early and let them slowly ripen uh, or slowly mature where you can't eat them. Like you see the green bananas in the store. But if you right. pick if you pick it way too early, like 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 tomatoes, everybody knows you pluck a tomato's got some color, put it on the windowsill, it'll turn red and get softer. But if you pick it where it's too green, it's not going to mature. It's just going to decay. So it's a it's a fine line. What they're telling you is don't pick them all. Pick them a little at a time and watch what happens. Yeah. Okay. And you know, not a great answer, but you know, there's uh, the the bottom line is you need to pick them before they're ripe, or else they're going to rot before we get get back to the kitchen. But if you pick them too early, then they're not far enough progressed to go ahead and continue to what we call ripen. Right. Okay. Well, I I, I figure it's a little too soon now because they they seem to still have little flowery things on the tips of them. Yeah, and, uh, and and this is you know like I say, if you've ever seen them harvesting bananas with machetes and stuff, they, they're they're big old cl- the whole cluster of green. But some varieties do flower over a long period of time, so the early flowers are actually making fruit that's ready to eat before they finish blooming. So that's one of the reasons why a lot of people a lot, a lot of people don't know about this because they the commercial varieties we use have been designed to ripen evenly a lot of the ver- right. the unusual varieties you know they have real interesting like heirloom tomatoes some of them are butt ugly you know and so and they don't they ripen at different stages so they're not good commercial varieties so you've got a better home variety and you might want to just pick a few at a time and and um, and see what happens play around with it okay all right appreciate it okay appreciate your call I stumbled around a lot on that, but it's true. When you pick a tomato, it does not get riper. It doesn't get sweeter. doesn't get more flavorful. It just goes ahead and colors up and starts to soften and decay. And uh, that's the reason why homegrown tomatoes seem to taste so much better, because you leave them on the vine until they've got all their goodness in them, whereas the ones you get at the store have been picked with what they call the, the pink stays. They're showing just a little color, and they're shipped and by the time you get them, you know, they're red and they're soft, but, you know, they were picked weeks before they could get all the sweetness and goodness in them. So, anyway, let's go up to Pontotoc. Let's go up to the hill country and talk with Judy and Pontotoc. Hey, Judy, good morning. Hey, Felder. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Quick question. Uh, muscadine vine. hmm I have a wonderful muscadine vine. Uh, when to prune and how to prune. As I expressed through my question. Yeah, uh, it must, it, by the way, I was raised with muscadines. My family had the first winery in the state since Prohibition. I've been growing muscadines since the 70s, long, long time. And if you don't prune them every year, they get, within two years, they get uh, just unmanageable. So you really need to prune muscadines every year. And what you do is you follow the branch from the tip end to all the way, right now, all the way to where it started growing back in the spring, and if you don't do, whether you pruned it or not, it's going to flower next year and make grapes right in the first one or two leaf joints of this year's growth. So what most commercial growers do is they'll follow from the end of the branch to back to where it started in the spring, and they'll cut it off, leaving just one or two leaf joints. Okay. And what grows off of that next year will have berries. 
and uh, and it's and it's not easy because they can go you know eight ten feet and they can wrap stuff up and you pull them they slap you across the face, you know and they're and they got those little yeah. twisty things the tendrils that wrap around things and it can be a, it takes me a good twelve or fifteen minutes to prune a muscadine vine that's in good shape. I mean you think there's a hundred or more per acre that's a lot of time. But anyway, cut everything back that grew this year, leaving short stubs, one or two branches. And if you still have a whole bunch of stuff left over, cut some of that off. Thin it out. I'm not going to kill it. No, you're not going to kill it. Now, if, if, if you do it this time of year or if you wait, to, it, best done in the wintertime. Ain't no yellow jackets there. Right. All that kind of stuff. So, so any time in the winter after they drop the leaves, if you do it early or if you do it late, they tend to drip sap. That's what they call. It. They look like they're bleeding. Does not hurt the plant at all. So in the winter. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. If you if you don't feel if you're not angry and feel like you've been brutal, you haven't pruned enough. All right. Trust me on this. Okay, Judy. Okay, thanks so much. You bet. Appreciate it. Now, Java, I sent you a couple of tunes. I'm not sure which one you're going to go with. Well, you told me, actually, you did something that you don't normally do. You pl- you planned ahead and <laughs> sent me and sent me something for next week. For next so week, yeah. I because, know I know which one I'm going to go with this week. Okay, <laughs> well, the one next week is a, a Jimmy Rogers tune, because we're going to be broadcasting for the Max in Meridian, and, and that's they, they celebrate Mississippi art culture and art and jimmy rogers known worldwide as the father of country music from meridian mississippi so that's the reason i chose that ahead of time now before we go to the cheesy tune um we had a caller she couldn't stay on the line but she wanted you to re um talk about the wiggins plant swap i guess she missed the um information not 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 wiggins uh uh um uh, uh <laughs> i'm drawing a total blank the well, uh, the plant swap in Hattiesburg. Okay, there we go. Hattiesburg, Hattiesburg. Uh, that's going to be it's going to be at a park right along the the Leaf River in Hattiesburg. That's not for a couple of weeks, and I can't remember the exact. Uh, I, I have to look it up while we're doing the music because I okay. can't remember stuff like that. But anyway, we got a couple of three three weeks before that happens. Anyway, I'm Horticulture's fellow rushing me and Java Chapman and the other folks here at MPB. I've got what I think is a beautiful arrangement of stuff that I picked this morning for my garden, some berries, a couple of wildflowers that are terrific in salads. Uh, I've got red peppers, yellow peppers, green peppers, purple peppers, purple basil, green basil, blue kale, uh, orange sweet potatoes, orange persimmons, and uh, burgundy okra. It is a rainbow that I picked out of my garden this morning. And get this. I didn't grow any of them as vegetables. I grew them because they're pretty, and they are pretty. But when I get home, I'm going to dump all these in a bucket of water, throw in a pinch of salt, and I'm going to have me a rainbow stew. We'll be right back with more of the Gestalt Gardener here at MPB right after this. i 
gonna search and find a better way to talk I'm gonna spit and polish my old rough edge self Till I get rid of every single flaw I'm gonna be the world's best friend I'm gonna go around shaking everybody's hand Hey, I'm gonna be the cotton-picking rage of the age I'm gonna be a diamond someday Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. All righty, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. I just took a picture we're going to put on our podcast today. It's of my rainbow stew that I grew from the garden. I'm bragging a little bit here because I had a, I had a, a yellow tomato I thought it was going to be red, and it never would turn red. I forgot I planted a yellow fruited variety. But I've got uh, red and green jalapeno peppers, orange sweet potatoes, a persimmon, uh, yellow tomato. Got some goldenrod, which is a terrific native edible plant, green basil, purple basil, Burgundy basil, purple American beauty berry. I've got kale with the blue stems and and uh, burgundy okra, and it all came from flower bed in my front yard. Flower bed, you know. So you don't have to be an expert and have a big garden or Troy built tiller and all that stuff to have stuff that's pretty and you can eat it when you're tired of looking at it. Uh, let's uh, let's go down to Bassfield and see what Trish is up to. Hey Trish, good morning. Good morning. Howdy. I abhor admitting this, but I don't know what a jujube is. It's it's a it's a good you know a lot of people don't know what pawpaw is. We've heard of pawpaws all of our lives. I know I got a pawpaw tree, so I know what they are. Well, see, there's a lot of people don't have a clue what a pawpaw is. Well, a a jujube is a it's a smallish, medium sized tree. It's got pretty leaves. Uh, You know, they're green, but they got nice little veins in them, uh, small thorns. But the fruit is. it's about like a small pawpaw. It's, you know, the small ones are about the size of my big thumb. You know, they get a little mm. bit bigger, and they've got a pit in them like an olive, and they're just they're they're just delightful fruit. You know, they're they're there's not anything that tastes quite like it, but it's sort of like eating a pawpaw. You know how it's got a bunch of seeds. It just has one right, seed. Bunch of seeds. Yeah. And my great grandmother grew all sorts of weird. She was a horticulturist. So I was raised with these kind of things, and I just thought they were normal. And then I tried right. to use jujube in a Scrabble game one time, and it wasn't but one J. So I had to use up my blank. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. One more question. Mm-hmm. Now, getting back to Muscadine, mm-hmm. Ed Norton was my daddy, and he planted his in 68, I think. That's the date that's on my list I have. It's been a while. But, yes, and he was back and forth to Mississippi State when he did it. Yep. But can we cut them once there's a good freeze and the leaves are all off? We don't sure. have to wait to January? Sure. I mean, you know, it was close enough to fall now where they're not going to sprout back out, so you could go ahead and do that. But uh, anytime, uh, you know, after they start dropping their leaves, up until, okay. you know, un- until they start producing in the spring. And, well, uh, we're still picking like this minute. Oh, yeah. There's still a lot of leaves out of We're in Jones County. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. 
So no, there's no problem with that at all. And, 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 and a matter of fact, you can make good holiday wreaths with the cuttings. Oh, I have bunches of them. In fact, I have one I'll be putting on my door for Christmas. It's good. Beautiful. Good. Excellent day. Yes. Thanks a lot. Have All a great right. day. Appreciate it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, muscadines, by the way, are native to the southeast. They're, they're not bunch grapes. They make clusters of berries. Uh, sometimes there's a lot of berries in there, but uh, they're, they're more adapted to our hot, humid uh, low chill winter climate than uh, a lot of the bunch grapes that grow further north. You know, a lot of people they plant things like Concord grape and uh, Niagara grape and all those. They p- produce in upstate Pennsylvania. That's where they want to grow. Yeah, they'll make down here, but the the ones you see, the big vineyards of Concord grape, upstate New York, Pennsylvania, places like that, and the real bunch grapes in the milder climates of. Uh, uh, well, we we can grow them, but muscadines are great. A lot of people don't like it because they have a strong flavor, because they haven't tried some of the varieties. There's some new varieties that are delightful. Some have got a skin that's crisp, and you can eat it. Uh, some are sweet. Some are not so sweet. Some have got a lot of juice. Some got a lot of pulp. Make a great pie. Uh, but anyway, there's a lot of different kinds of muscadines. So if you're lumping them all together saying, I don't like muscadines because they're bleh, well, it's because you're st- you were raised with a blah variety. Anyway, let's go to uh, Woodville and talk with Larry. Larry, you are about as you're from way on up there. Yeah, how you doing this morning? I'm fine. It isn't Woodville. Isn't Woodville? Isn't that where the highest point in Mississippi is? I don't know about that. We down here below Natchez. Okay. Oh, I got the wrong Woodville. Got to. I was. I'm thinking. <laughs> As a place up north, somebody help me out on this. Anyway, what's going on? Yeah, I'm a Choctaw Indian Mm -hmm. living down here. And um, my dad was the uh, chief of the Louisiana Band of Choctaw. I've moved to reorganize the old Choctaw Nation here in Mississippi. And I want to get some land to reestablish a reservation here. And I want to do it in native type plants and the wild persimmons and stuff like that. Yep. I'd like to do a show sometime specifically on Mississippi native plants that Native Americans use in their foods, roots, and type stuff like that. Well, I, I can I can sure do that, uh, you know, because, you know, my, my ancestors came here, you know, uh, 200 years ago, and we had to eat off the land. And by the way, let me throw this out. Uh, the chief of the Choctaw Nation um was on the the flag commission to design the new flag, a uh, new Mississippi right. flag, and uh, it's got the stars on it. But the very, the star at the very top is a is a is a golden star, and it's and it's broken up into diamonds, and it's the diamond star that represents the Choctaws. And a lot right. of a lot of people don't realize that that's on there. I actually went out and helped design a landscape in Oklahoma. I can't remember the name of the town right now. Um, just drawn a blank, but at the at the headquarters of the Choctaw Nation in Oklahoma, I designed a garden for them that included plants that were from Mississippi that had useful to the indigenous people. I bet. And so, yeah, I've I've got that. If you'll shoot me an email, I can send. I've got a really good list of of native Mississippi native plants that are suitable. For landscapes, they're pretty plants. They do well. They're good ornamental plants and have useful, you know, you can eat part of, you know, there's a lot of different benefits, but of plants that are suitable for good-looking landscapes that are native to Mississippi. They were here before Europeans got here. So, I, you know, if you'll shoot me an email, I'll be glad to help you with that. That'd be a lot of fun. 
I, uh, several years ago, I was in the swamps along the Mississippi River. I grew up hunting in swamps with my dad and uncles and all the old men. And uh, I gathered some wild persimmons. I brought them home and dried, let them, you know, I got the seeds and set them out. Uh-huh. On my porch, let them dry. And then a friend of mine says, wait till uh, December. And so the middle of December, I stuck them in the ground about finger deep. And they sprouted. And uh, I waited the next year, and I took and transplanted. And that's what I've been doing around my house here in Woodville is putting wild persimmons up. Because we've lost all these native trees and plants, you know, due to logging over the years, you know. Yeah, well, as a matter of fact, I I picked a persimmon on my way in this morning, and it's not quite it's not quite right, but uh, you know, it, 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 persimmon is just one. We've got uh, the American beautyberry, which I've got here. There's just tons and tons and tons of useful indigenous plants that are also, you know, provide food or I don't get into medicinal stuff, but even medicine. But they have got historic use for for fiber and for dyes and things like that. And there's a really good lesson for for children and for grownups. Anyway, I'll be real glad to help you with that, Larry. My father was a my grandfather was a gifted medicine man and healer. People used to come to him for healing, removing rewards. Uh-huh. So if you had a horse or a cow down, he would go and treat them too. And uh, you know, I learned some things, and I've been in, you know, I'm a member of the Native American Church, and uh, I go up to Philadelphia often and meet with up there some of the medicine people. Hence, the elder up there is uh, using uh, self-heal plant to treat coronavirus. He's treated about 15 people and every one. Okay, okay. now, I, 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 I'm not trying to cut you off on this, but there's several plants that are to be that way, but I do do not get into medicinal herbs. I, I don't for legal reasons. I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna stick with growing the stuff. When it comes to using it right. stuff like that, whether it's that or elderberry or whatever, I you know I've I've got the research, I've got the 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 the, the books, I've got all that stuff, but I just don't talk about it on the radio. We talk we stick with stuff that then they, you know if if somebody misunderstands what you or I say. It could get right. bad real quick. But anyway, now to answer your question, we've got some terrific native plants that have all sorts of use for food, fiber, medicine, uh, dyes, right. all that kind of stuff that I can help you with. Be glad to. Well, that's what I'm looking into is like some of the medicine plants. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 I won't get into that because of legal reasons. But when it comes to eating, we can or, or making or making dye or, or weaving into right. baskets and stuff, we can do that. Right. Anyway, sure. shoot, shoot me an email. Shoot me an email. And then let's really? let's get started on this. I like to hear, I like to hear you talk about some of these native plants, you know. And I I, I try to every single I try to every single week. But like I say, if you want to come up with a good looking garden that's all useful uh, native plants, we can sure do that. All right, look, y'all have a blessed day. Enjoy your show. Appreciate it, Larry. And again, I I, I really appreciate the chief uh, making sure that the Choctaw that the Diamond Star is on the proposed Mississippi flag. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. you bet. See ya. Bye. righty, folks. We've got uh, the lines open. I'm just trying to. I'm, I'm. I'm just drawing a total blank here on the date for the the plant swap that's going to be in Hattiesburg, but it's going to be. I want to say the second Saturday in October. Got a little while, but next week we are going to have a pro- special program. Uh, I'm going to be broadcasting the Gestalt Gardener, Mississippi's uh, broadcasting it from the studios at the Max and Meridian, the Max and Meridian. I've got the details 
the phone number, the email. If you're interested in that, shoot me an email because I, 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 I just don't, don't – I can't remember stuff like that on the air. But next Saturday – this is next Friday morning. On Saturday, I'm doing a presentation at the Max. Uh, they have limited audience because of the coronavirus, but they're letting folks in. Um, and we're going to have a little plant swap. I'll give a lot more details about that next week if you're interested. But they have limited seating, so you're going to have to call ahead to get on a list. Uh, However, it's going to be streamed live. So my talk on Yard Art, the good, the bad, and the unbelievable, it's going to be on Yard Art, is going to be streamed live a week from tomorrow on Saturday, October the 3rd. We're going to be, uh, so you can watch it, you know, on your TV. They'll have it on YouTube. You can look at it later, but it'll be a, a live event streamed. And uh, I think they're going to have a couple of dozen or so people who can who can come to it. Anyway, I'll give more details about that a little bit later. Uh, but if you if you're interested in attending this, you need to, to to let them know ahead of time. And the best way to do that is shoot me an email, and I can get you that. I, I'll give it out in just a few minutes. Uh, but if you're interested, you're going to have to contact the Max ahead of time. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. I've been having fun with my rainbow harvest right here. It's so pretty. It's pretty enough to eat. Ah, I think I will eat it. Anyway, we're going to take a real quick break and come back with more of the Gestalt Garden here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11, or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. All right, folks, welcome back. I was stumbling around, stumbling around trying to find out the, the, the website. If you want to register for this thing at the, at the, the Max next week, uh, whether it's the live broadcast on Friday or else the, uh, the, the yard art talk and plant swap on Saturday, uh, the, the, it's, it's uh, www.msarts.org, M-S-A-R-T-S.org for Mississippi Arts. And they got a thing about the Gestalt Gardener event. But anyway, go to the website, msarts.org. Dot org, that'll get you to that. Um, also, had a fellow who wanted to know what was I talking about last week about piling dirt up. I mean, piling logs and stuff and turning dirt. It's called Hugel culture. H U G L E culture starts with a K. Hugel culture. But if you'll just do H U G L E, it'll take it from there on on, on most search engines. But it's where you you put logs. Branches, logs, limbs, branches, leaves, throwing a little dirt, those are compost. In other words, just make you a big old leaf pile. And then the next spring, you can start planting there. And as the doll decomposes, it retains moisture, it gives off nutrients. It's just a terrific little way to grow stuff, particularly where ground is too hard to dig. My friend Jesse Yancey does it on concrete. Just pile stuff up, and uh, it takes a little while to get started. When you throw some old compost on top, you can get started quicker. But it becomes a, a never-ending leaf pile when you grow stuff around the, the edges in the middle of it. Hugo culture or, or, or mound culture. So I'll just mound stuff up. Anyway, let's go. Uh, Timothy's been hanging on for a long time from Louisiana. Hey, Timothy, thank you for holding, man. What's up? 
Good morning. You yeah. know what you're just talking about there, Hugo culture. I like to use it in uh, in raised beds. You know, uh, when I make a box and you know, and, and before I put soil in it, I put logs and, and twigs and such down in there. How long? How long? But when you first do that, what, I'm, I'm gonna say it takes. You know, you could probably start planting around the edges right off the bat. But I'm gonna say give it. You know, a, a couple of three months to start breaking down. What do you think? I go right in on it. You just know, go, go right, right in. in yeah. <laughs> we, we ain't wasting time. We jump right in. But well, anyway, it's, it's an easy it's an easy way to do it. I learned this from Neil Odenwald, who's a professor of uh, landscape architecture over at LSU. He had a big yard, and, and he would start piling, instead of dragging limbs to the street or burn pile, he would just put them between trees and then throw stuff and basically connect the base of the trees with stuff. And ended up growing ferns and impatiens and azaleas, and he said it cut his mowing time in half. Yeah, Sepp Holzer is one of the, the greats on that subject. S e p p h o l z e r, I think it is. But but it's an ancient concept. Pile stuff up, yes. start planting stuff there. Yes. So what you got going on? Well, I'm wondering when to harvest wapato. I don't even know what that is. Oh come on now, come no, on. It's now. not the elephant ear, is it? No, wapato is uh, arrow leaf. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, it's a native plant, yeah, <laughs> with the arrowhead-shaped leaves, too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think you can pretty well do it all year, but t- traditionally fall and winter. All right. I-, I don't see why you couldn't do it all year, because the plants are perennials, but yeah, I-, yeah. I don't know, if there may be some weird alkaloids or something going during the growing season, so there may be a season when it's uh, it's safer, some 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 native plants. You know, you have to boil them twice to get rid of certain alkaloids and all that stuff. But, but uh, it's I got been... another question for you, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Elderberry. Why are our southern, our, our Louisiana elderberries are like the size of BBs, and the ones in Oklahoma are the size of grapes? Uh, different, different, uh, different species. So I could go up there and get them, bring them down here, and plant them, and I have a nice. Sure. I mean, okay. and, and the elderberry that's used in Europe, we see a lot of elderberry trees along the, the, yeah, the hedgerows. In, they're, they're whole different plants. They're woody plants. Ours are, are, are perennials. So there's, there's several different species of elderberries. All right. Okay, man, we got to scoot. We got to go down to Mobile and talk with Lee. Hey, Lee, good morning. Lee. Hello. Hello. How are you? Hello. Hello. You're on the air. Hello. Hello. Okay, Lee, for some reason, can't hear us. So we're going to slide, slide over to Ruth in Wiggins. Hey, Ruth, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm call- fine. I'm calling for my sister. Mm-hmm. She knows I listen to you all the time. And she said, are you on there with him? I said, no, but I can be. So she's, you know, the bay leaves you put in your savory dishes, you know, the bay leaves. Right. Uh she wants to know if those are the same ones that grow wild around there. She's, she's got some. There is a native bay that's used. It's not the same species. The, the one that, that most people use, a culinary bay, is a Mediterranean plant. But there is a there is a native bay. I don't remember the, the species. I can't remember the details. But there is a native plant that's used as a bay substitute. They call it bay leaf. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't, I, I don't remember the details. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll take a picture of it and send it to you. And if if you'll do that, then I can can then I'll have you email. I'll send back the all the. I've got the information at home. I just can't. You know, I got an an old computer for a brain. It doesn't have much memory space. Okay. 
Okay. Uh, Thanksgiving is a little way away, so she'll be able to have that information before then. Oh, yeah. She will, she, she'll have it the day I get it. Okay. All right. Thank you, Felder. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Ruth. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. We can try Lee again. Lee, are you there? I'm here. Hooray. We're on the air. What's up? Oh, great. I recently moved to a house that has three crepe myrtles across the front. Uh Uh-huh. And I like them, but they have lots of shoots coming up from the ground. And I would like to prune some of those away and leave, like, maybe three or four to become the trunk. Right. And just wondered... When is the time to prune those, and is there any particular technique I need to know other than cut them off at the ground? Yeah, it's a good question. No, just cut it off at the ground. Where you know, okay. if you if you leave a stem, or if you cut a plant and leave a stem, it's going to branch out right where you make the cut. If you cut it off flush with where it's starting to grow, cut a branch off flush with the limb or limb off with the trunk or the trunk with the ground, it won't sprout back out. In other words, just don't leave any kind of stub, and it won't sprout back out. But you can do this. Uh, you can can remove things as if they were never there any time you get around to it. But if you're going to just cut stuff back in general to make it bush out, it's best to not do that this time of year because it doesn't have time for the new growth to toughen up before winter, you know, even down on, uh, on on the coast. So uh, most hard pruning to, to make plants bush back out is done in the winter, the spring, the early summer, up until about the middle of the summer. Anyway, if you're just cutting stuff off as if it were never there, only leaving what you want, you can do that anytime you get around to it. All right, that's great to know. Thank you. All right, appreciate it. And Felder, I think earlier you were trying to figure out the highest point in Mississippi. It's Wood something, ain't it? Woodall Mountain. Woodall Mountain in Iuka. There you go. I've been up there. It's got a little thing up the top. It's the highest point in Mississippi. I think it's like eight hundred feet or whatever. That's it, eight hundred. Hey, listen, I got me a sack. I got me a sack of goodies, but I'm going to put give you this picture I just took of all these rainbow-colored things I picked out of my garden. And uh, also, I brought this thing. I dropped my cook kettle, my big black chili pot last night, and it broke. I didn't think you could break these things. So I've got to get me a new cooking kettle. i got to season it and get all that kind of stuff. So I've got my weekend cut out for me. going to plant a few things and uh, basically enjoy this cool, cool weather, folks. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. Me and the folks here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hope to see some of y'all in Meridian uh, next week at the MAC when we broadcast live. But meanwhile, if you have a chance to go to a farmer's market, take a kid or a new couple, a new couple on the street, or a garden center, it's important that we share with others how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week.